We talking hoops season two. Let's go. What up, though? It's your coach. Who talks hoops the most? It's Coach Cam with the podcast flow. Jump shot is still wet and the podcast goes. Talking hoops all day, worldwide, across the globe, overseas to the league. Big 10 to the GLIAC, AU to high school and any gym that he at. Highlights, offers, who's about to transfer, was coach getting hired? Coach Cam's got the answer, he's that dude. Too cool, so smooth with the hoop news. Every week we talking hoops, this is season two. So buckle up for this ride, that's what you need to do. Cause we talking hoops, yeah. It's your coach that knows who's the most, Coach Cam, and I'm back for episode number nine, feeling finer than wine. And we back, man. Another Hoops Talk week for you guys. Got some NBA uh, to talk about right before the NBA All-Star break. We're going to talk college hoops. We in the thick of things for conference play. That's the GLIAC. That's the Big Ten. That's the MAC. Got a couple things to dis- discuss college-wise. Uh, high school hoops. I got an interview that I did last week. Great young man. Um, Get a, a Q&A going on so you can get a little bit to know more about him. Uh, sometimes I like to uh, let you guys know the, the kind of recruits that I like to talk to and, and bring them on the podcast, introduce them to you guys so you can get a, a deeper dive into some of Michigan's top players. Because for people to think that Michigan doesn't have players, they are totally and truly wrong. There are players all over the state. That's north, that's south, that's east and west. All over the place, Grand Rapids, all the way up to Iron Mountain. This is a kid in Iron Mountain that got seven or eight offers that I did a story on this week, Foster Wonders. And nobody really talks about them because they live closer to Wisconsin than they do Michigan. But players all over the state, man. Players all over the state. And before I get into my NBA breakdown, this episode is sponsored by the Shotmaker Shooting Academy. Yeah, it's my, it's my academy. Just started last week. We go twice a week. We go Tuesday nights. We go on the night because uh, I'm recording this on Tuesday, uh, February 11th, time stamping it. Uh, we went last week. We went twice. We went Tuesday nights, and we go Saturday mornings from 10 to 12. So if you want your little basketball player, if you know anybody that needs to work on their jump shot, and it's more than a camp. This is what people don't understand. It's, and it's more than a movement. It's an academy. All right? It's an opportunity for me to work hands-on with guys that really want to work on their jump shot. It's more than just, okay, we go, we work for three days, and then I'll see you for another 12 months. No, I want to spend some time with some shooters, some guys that really want to focus on their shooting and getting better. And it's going to be more than just some drills. It's going to be some fundamental work. It's going to do some film work. We're going to do some work on the Dr. Dish. We are located, we're doing our workouts at Joe Dumars Fieldhouse, located on 8 Mile in Woodward. So if you got somebody that's interested, that's a boy or a girl, so I do boys and girls, ages 10 through 17. So bring your shooter. You get more information on theshotmakers.com, all the information you need. If you've ever been to a shooting camp of mine, you're already a member of the Shotmaker Shooting Academy. So all of my kids that came to the camp this past summer, you're already a member. All the kids who used to come to We Shoot the Rock basketball camp, you're already a member. But if you're not a member, you got to pay $50 for the membership. But the membership includes two free workouts. So there's some perks to being a member. So I would suggest if you got somebody who who you think between the ages of 10 and 17, I know for 14 and 17, we're still in season. So I'm not expecting a whole lot of uh, in season guys or girls to be coming to our workouts because it's during the season. Uh, But 
I'm telling you, if you got somebody that needs to work on your jump shot, they need to come see me. I didn't have people begging me while I was a college coach, man, Coach Cam, you need to bring your shooting stuff back to the city and come back to Detroit, do some camps. I'm here. I'm back. Bring me the shooters. I'm going to make them better. I'm going to make them better. Name me another shooting academy around in the state of Detroit. I mean, the city of Detroit or the state of Michigan. Name me another shooting academy. Exactly. It ain't none. The only one. I was the first one that started doing shooting camps. Now you see people doing shooting camps now. Now I'm starting a shooting academy. It's more than a camp. Bring me your shooters so we can get it in. So for more information, go to theshotmakers.com. Hit me up on Twitter. Hit me up on Facebook. Call my cell phone, 313-207-2541. Hit me up. I'm not hard to find, man. I'm not hard to find. You could Google my name and my number and email and all of that will come up. So just hit me up, and trust me, I will take care of your shooters. Now, let's start talking about the NBA, the National Basketball Association. And last week we talked about Kobe. We dedicated our our episode to Kobe. Rest in peace to the great. And now we're starting to see, uh, getting closer to the All-Star break, uh, some, some things popping off. So we had the trade deadline that was last week, Thursday. And you had some you had some big moves taking place. Uh, the first move, well, not really the first move, but the, the move that intrigued me the most was Andre Drummond getting traded to Cleveland Cavaliers. OK, Detroit fans, I'm just talking to my Detroit people right now because a lot of people didn't like Andre Drummond for whatever the case. He's too lazy. He don't get enough rebounds. He don't score enough. I get it. Right. And. I wasn't totally on that train. My train of thought when it came to Andre Drummond was you expected him to be an all-star and he's not. Like if you just lower your expectations, you will understand that his game is actually effective if used properly in the right way. Um, For Andre Drummond, I mean, he leads the league in rebounds. First off, leads the league in rebounds. For his career, he's averaging 13.87 rebounds for his career. There's only six other players in the history of the NBA to have a better rebounding career average than Andre Drummond. So to say that his game is not effective the way it's played now, to say that he's not useful is not the case. However, you have to have the right pieces around him. You have to have the right structure in place where he is effective. If you put him on the perimeter, he's not effective. If you don't give him the ball in the post, he's not effective. It got to the point where... He was so ineffective, he felt that he needed to start making threes. Like, in, in, in today's game, you can still be a back-to-the-basket big and still dominate. Nobody wants to post anymore. Nobody wants to post. So if you wanted to be the guy to say, you know what, I'm just going to post every time, and you got the offense built around you, you got shooters, I mean, come on. I mean, it's easy. It would be easy work, but that's not the case here in Detroit. So it wasn't a good fit. Okay, I get it. Reggie Jackson, I don't like him either. Uh, Hopefully they just cut him and and part ways with Reggie Jackson. But we parted ways with Andre Drummond, who I thought was a very effective rebounder. He's an elite rebounder. And to say that rebounding isn't um, effective in today's game is not true if you have the proper people around. So I'm not one of those people that don't think they should have traded Andre Drummond. I do think they should have traded for Andre Drummond, but I don't think they should have traded him for a, a bag of Fago chips and a Verners. Like, you should have gotten more out of the deal. Like, we got nothing out of it. We just traded the best rebounder or the top rebounder in the NBA and got nothing in return. That's like taking a bottle back to Myers and don't get your 10 cent for it. And they say, boop, 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 this bottle is not recognized. What you mean it's not recognized? It's a 10 cent on the can. 
That pisses me off, man. I take stuff to the Myers and I can't get my 10 cent from a can. When I know doggone well, I bought it from Myers. That's what we got for Andre Drummond. We traded him away for nothing. He was a free agent. He probably would have opted in. Now, if you say, well, you, you, we would rather trade him because he would opt in because any silly, I mean, if he's not getting 27 million from anybody in him yet. So if I'm Andre Drummond, oh, I love Detroit. He'd have made 80 million in the last three years. So yeah, to sum it up, we got nothing for him. We got absolutely nothing for Andre Drummond. And I think we, at the very least, should have got something for him. At the very least, I know you didn't want to pay him the money. I didn't want to pay him the money. He was expected to opt in for, I think, 26 or 27 million. I mean, he's already made 80 million the last three years. He's going to make another 20 this year. I mean, we're making this man rich. And I get it. I mean, he was the best rebounder in, in the league. But I mean, to be making $100 million in four years is nuts. I think that's that's what the Pistons did wrong. They made him a max player too soon. Like, he went from a rookie deal to a max deal. Like, he got to go from a rookie deal to a good, you know, solid 12, 15 million a year. Not 25. So, you know, I thought we should have got more for Andre Drummond. I thought a deal. How about we trade him to Cleveland for Tristan Thompson straight up with a second rounder? I mean, the numbers don't quite add up because Tristan Thompson making about 17, 18 a year. So... I mean, the numbers wouldn't add up, but at least would have got a player for him. Like, them two guys we got for Andre Drummond, they're not going to play a game for the Pistons. And I don't want them to play a game for the Pistons. I've seen that before. I don't want to see it again. I don't want to see them guys. I'm not even going to mention their name. I don't want to see them. Give me somebody for, for, for uh, Andre Drummond, man. Come on, Detroit. Y'all knew better than that. This guy that made $75 million the last three years. Man, come on. That's a lot of money to be getting nothing from it when you trade them. So I'm going to need the Pistons to, to have a plan, man. Figure out what you're going to do. Are we just going to totally tank and give it, give, give, give it up? Or are we going to actually make a run at this thing? Because, you know, you look at Derrick Rose. Derrick Rose is having this best season in the hand last four or five years. And they were talking about trading him. I'm, I'm like, why don't you work around him? Why don't you build around him? You got some good young uh, rookies, too. I like Savia. How you ever you say his name? I like him. So, I don't know. I need the Pistons, the Pistons to really figure it out. So, a couple more trades. Not going to mention all the trades that went down on the deadline. Uh, but the next trade, Marcus Morris to the Clippers from the Knicks. I thought it was a very intriguing trade that the, the Clippers picked up another body. Not only did they pick up another body, but another presence defensively. Another tough guy. Another guy that has depth. Um, because in the playoffs, you're going to need depth. You're going to have to be able to play seven games in a mix of two weeks. Two and a half weeks. So you're going to have to have depth. You're going to have to have guys that can get it done on both ends. And Marcus Morris one of those guys that can all right, the Warriors got rid of D'Lo. D'Lo wasn't a good fit for the Warriors. I guess they felt uh, when Steph Curry went down and, and Klay Thompson went down that D'Lo would just go crazy. And he just wasn't playing very inspired basketball. And to his credit, I don't see why he would because Draymond Green didn't play a whole lot. And you basically playing with, I ain't going to say scrubs, but. Yeah, I mean, that roster just isn't very good without Klay Thompson, without Steph Curry and Andre Drummond. I mean, not Andre Drummond, uh, Draymond Green. That roster isn't very good. So uh, D'Lo wasn't playing very inspired basketball, so they traded him to the Timberwolves and got, got Wiggins in return. Now, getting Andrew Wiggins was, I thought, was a very good trade for the Warriors. You're not going to find that out this year. He's a better version of Barnes. 
He's a better version of Barnes, Harrison Barnes. I'm pretty sure that. I think they won a championship with Harrison Barnes. So the thing about Andrew Wiggins is that he don't have to be a star. He don't have to be the main guy. He could get 20, 22, 23, 24, and y'all could be cool with it instead of him. Right now he's averaging 24 points a game. So he getting 24 a game, and y'all want 30 from him. Like, he ain't the guy to get you 30. But he get you 20, 22. And they put 15, 16 guys getting you 22-plus in the league anyway. And he one of them guys. So just let him be that. And with the Warriors, he could be that. Now, he, not, he won't be able to be like that this year. Uh, you're starting to see Steph Curry uh, doing some workouts. You're starting to see Klay Thompson doing some workouts. And you're starting to think, are they going to come back before the season's in? And if they're smart, no. No, don't come. Don't even touch a game. Not a game. Don't play a game this year. Not a single one. Not a one. Because you don't want to risk down the line something to happen. All right. You don't want to mess up your chemistry and all that stuff. Just take the year as what it is and then come back next year firing. Make sure you got some draft picks in the second round, first round and start, you know, putting some pieces around some healthy bodies, not guys that won't be on the roster next year. So that's what the Warriors need to do. And adding Wiggins is is big for them. So now they got another option. It's not like a KD option, but you have to respect this game. You have to. You have to respect this game, especially offensively. And he's long defensively. So he's going to bring he's going to bring. A piece to them that they were missing the last couple of years when they had KD. KD was just so much of a score, it didn't really matter. But they were kind of missing that piece of the guy that could get it done on both ends and offensively can score when they're the third or fourth option. And that's what Wiggins can do. And he's still young, man. He's still mid-20s, man. He's still got a lot of basketball to play on those legs. The Rockets traded Clint Capella. So the Rockets are going to go small ball on y'all. That's what they're going to do. They're going small ball on y'all, and they still don't have a top four record in the West. So can they make a run? Can they can they get up in there maybe in the top four? I don't think they could be top four in the West. I just don't think the small ball is going to work uh, down the line. It might work a few games here. The first game they tried it against the Lakers, they had P.J. Tucker on A.D., and A.D. went crazy, but P.J. Tucker had a good game as well. He does bring your five off the floor. So you have to, they spread the floor, and it's going to bring your five out. And if P.J. Tucker can shoot 40% from three, that's the only way this small ball is going to work. The only way this small ball is going to work is if P.J. Tucker can, can shoot ridiculous from three. I'm not talking 35, 36, 37%, which is good for a big. I'm talking about shooting it like a guard, like shooting it 40%. Now you got to really draw the big out outside of the paint. And that poses a lot of problems for driving lanes for Russell Westbrook and James Harden and those guys, man. So that's the only way the small ball is going to work is if P.J. Tucker can make threes. Because now you're basically trading threes for twos because whoever is guarding the post should be a bucket. But in today's game, ain't nobody posting. Nobody posting in today's game. That's what the small ball is exposing, is exposing the fact that what I need a big for. Why do I need a, a, a post player, per se? That's what the Rockets are doing. The Rockets are saying, why do I need a post player? Why not play with just two, like two fours and three guards? Or one big four, and P.J. Tucker is 6'5". Man, I mean, I would exploit Houston down low, but now you're playing away where you don't play. It's not going to work against teams that have legitimate bigs. So against Denver, it's not going to work. Against the Jazz, it's not going to work. Against the Nuggets, it's not going to work because they got guys in the post that can get it done. 
and they're not and they're able to throw it down there and get a bucket. But if you think this this small ball is going to lead to an NBA championship, well, no, nah, it ain't. I'm sorry, it's not. It's not traditional. Coach Cam ain't letting that ain't letting that fly. You're not about to be out here with five guards in the NBA and think that's about to fly unless PJ Tucker shoots it like a guard. If PJ Tucker shoots it like a guard, somebody got some problems because you're tr- you're basically trading threes for twos. So that was the trade line. Didn't want to talk about all of the the trades that happened. I know uh, Miami got better. They made some trades. They did some things that got better. Uh, the Lakers didn't make a whole lot of moves, so we're starting to see what they're going to do. But they still got the best the best uh, record in the West. So you know what the Lakers going to give you. They're going to give you the best duo in the game. All right? But, you know, not signing another guard might hurt them. It might hurt them going into the playoffs because LeBron can't play 82 games at the point guard spot. I'm sorry, he can't. It's going to wear It's going to wear down. It's going to wear on them. At some point, you might see LeBron take a few games off with some load management. You might start to see it happening, and I wouldn't be surprised if they pick up somebody to make sure this happens. Now, I see that Deion Waiters is in talks with a few teams. They worked out J.R. Smith. And here's, I don't know why J.R. Smith is such an intriguing prospect. He, he has eight points a game for his career. I mean, how good is J.R. Smith? It cost him a championship. So, I mean, it's a whole lot of teams. It's like, I got a rookie that could do that. Like, I'm not just signing J.R. Smith. I got plenty of guys that could do what he can do. It's not like he a 15, 16, 17 point. He ain't mellow. Mellow coming in average 17, 16 a game. That's different. Guy averaging eight. Like, ah, I can get that from a rookie or somebody I could pay league minimum to. So just don't think that's going to happen. Now we got the all-star game jumping off this Sunday uh, in Chicago. In Chicago. And they've added some new rules. Uh, not going to quite go into what the rules are. Very similar to the TBT tournament. So if you've ever watched the basketball tournament in the summer where these guys from all over the country, they play for $2 million and you see the structure of the game and how the structure is, is when the buzzer, buzzer ends at the end of the fourth quarter, whatever the margin is, they put that margin of the game and that's the game that they play to. So, for instance, if the end of the game is 98-90, they're going to take eight points added to the top team score and now you're playing to 116 and whoever gets to 116 first wins the game so if you are down and you get to 116 or 106 before the other team you win so they're they're doing that but their way of doing it is to add 24 points to the ending score and whoever scores uh, to that point scores not even the next 24 points but whoever scores the total number plus 24 points is the winner now I like the tribute to Kobe. I do. I understand why they did it. I just think it was a little too soon. Like, if the NBA really wants to to honor Kobe Bryant, I don't think that was the way to do it. I think during the All-Star game, you do a tribute, you do whatever. I just don't think you change your whole format for Kobe Bryant. Now, I might be mistaken. Um, You know, I like it. I like the way the TB2 tournament does, but I like it for the TBT. I don't like it for the All-Star. They're not really playing no way. Now, I'd be, you really want to honor Kobe, you tell these guys to put some real money in the pot and play for real. Like, yeah, like I would rather see that than see a bunch of guys run up and down and dunk it. Now I get to see it, get to see it more for 24 more points. Like they're not really going to play hard for real. Now, if they want to, they, they really want to honor Kobe, they take those last 24 points and they say, all right, let's knuckle up and let's play for real. Let's play for real. And then you don't really get that in all-star games on any level. 
In baseball, you get it a little bit because the winner gets home field advantage in the World Series. That's a big deal. So last six, seven, eighth inning, they really ninth inning, they really getting it in. I would like to see the NBA do that. Honor Kobe that way. So you say, all right, the, the last portion of this game, last five minutes, we going hard, man. We going hard. This we playing for real. So I just thought that the tribute was a little too soon. Thought they could have did a little bit. They could have did it a little different. But you got Team Giannis and you got Team LeBron. Now a lot of people criticize. Uh, Giannis, the Greek freak with his team, but I actually like his team. I actually like the team that he picked. Now he picked a team of guys that ain't your whole flat. It ain't your all flash team, but it's it's a it's a, actually a pretty good team. And if I'm a, I'm not saying if I'm a bet man, but I I just don't think Team LeBron is just gonna want to ray with it. If if it, if it becomes an actual basketball game, like Giannis' team really ain't that bad. So let's let's look into who Giannis got on this team. Who would he pick? So he went with Joel Embiid, he went uh, Pascal Siakam, he's got Kemba Walker, he's got Trey Young, the best young guard in the game, he's got Bam Adebayo, one of the best two-way young players in the game, he's got Jimmy Butler, one of the best defenders in the game, he's got uh, Rudy Gobert, which is the the best shot blocker in the game, you got Brandon Ingram, who's had a phenomenal year, can't too many people guard Brandon Ingram right now. You got Kyle Lowry, who's been going crazy in the East. Of course, it's the East. You got Chris Middleton as one of the top five shooters in the league. And then you got Donovan Mitchell. So, Spider. So, I think he picked a team to say, you know what? I'm going to pick a team of guys that's going to play both ways. And when it's time to shut down the stars, they're going to shut them down. And I think that's what he's trying to do. I think he's trying to give guys that don't normally get their praise some added praise to say, you know what? I picked a team full of guys that's just going to go in and get it done. Now, Team LeBron, I mean, Team LeBron ain't no joke. I mean, you got AD, you got Luka, you got James Harden, you got Kawhi, you got Jokic, you got Lilliard, who's been phenomenal. He's starting to make a name for himself, and he's starting to enter the MVP conversation. They make the playoffs, and they get to be a seventh seed. You might hear Lilliard in the conversation, because we're not talking about Lillard and CJ anymore. We're not talking about the Dame and CJ show. CJ's having a good year, but he ain't Dame Dollar. Make him holla. I mean, he dropping 60, 48, 41, 44, and it's loud, too. Like, yeah, I do this, dog, and I believe him, man. I believe him. Dave's been going to work. He's been going to work. Um, also on his team is CP3. He's having a good year. I don't think he should have been an all-star. You got Sabonis with the Pacers. Good player. Uh, ben Simmons. Nah, I don't think Simmons should have been an all-star. Jason Tatum. That's a good player. And Westbrook. So, I mean, they're very top-heavy. I mean, Team LeBron is very top-heavy. But top to bottom, I like I like the Greek Freaks team. So everybody's saying that the Greek Freaks shouldn't be allowed to draft. We'll find out on Sunday when it gets thick. We'll find out on Sunday when it gets thick and you got uh, Kimba Walker and Trey Young coming down going crazy. So we'll see. Uh, so before I end off my NBA segment, want to talk about the top four, top four teams in each division in the East and West. In the West, of course, it's the Lakers. It's been that way the whole year and it's going to stay that way for a while. But they only have a three game lead in the first seed. So be, be watch that because that lead is starting to, to dwindle down a little bit. All right, it's no longer a five, six, seven, eight game league in the West. It's only a three game lead, and they're they're sitting right there, thirty nine and twelve. And you got the Denver Nuggets right there at number two. The Denver Nuggets have been very consistent all year, very consistent. Jokic is starting to pick up his production. Gary Harris is shooting the ball a whole lot better than he was, and Jamal Murray has been Jamal Murray, man. He's been playing well. I think the Denver Nuggets 
are going to be a team in the West you don't want to play in the playoffs. You don't want to play the Denver Nuggets in the playoffs. I'm going to tell you that right now. They're playing some very solid basketball. The Clippers are right there with the same record as a tie for second. They're 37-16, and 16 and, and they just improved their team with a couple trades. So Kawhi and PG, PG is having an all-star level uh, year, even though he's not playing the all-star game. He, he probably should be because he's been playing really well as well. So you got the Clippers right there, and then right there in the fourth seed, you got the Jazz at 34 and 18. The Jazz is a very sneaky team. They're sneaky good because they actually play defense. I like, I like what the Jazz is doing. Uh, they're very sneaky, man. They're very sneaky. So that 4-5 game, which looks like it might end up being Jazz in Houston, that's a very sneaky matchup. Be, watch that matchup If they don't reseed them I know they've been talking about reseeding the playoffs Which I think they should um, It's a new sneaky game right there The Jazz at four uh, Back in the East You got the Bucks expanding their lead in the East They have a uh, an eight game lead now Seven or eight game lead uh, They're 45 and seven So they only lost seven games This year so far, seven games, 45 and seven. They're nine and one in their last 10. I mean, it's the Greek freak, man. The Greek freak got those guys playing uh, very high level basketball. And they just don't, nobody has a matchup for the Greek freak. I mean, that's what it boils down to. Nobody has a matchup for the Greek freak. And the guys around them are making shots and making plays. So if you got a superstar and you got guys around them that are playing at a superstar level for their position, then yeah, I mean, you should have a 45 and 7 lead, uh, the best record in the NBA. Two, you got the Raptors. The Raptors is chasing them. They're right behind them. They're 39 and 14. They've won 14 straight games. The Raptors is no, it's the, it's the team nobody's talking about. They have a better record right Right now at this moment than they did last year with Kawhi. So that's pretty. Nobody, nobody after they won or nobody would have said after they lost Kawhi that halfway through the year they would have a better record without Kawhi than with. But what it does when you draw a superstar out, you're giving guys more opportunity to be the player that they actually probably were while the superstar was there. So you're starting to figure out that the show that Kyle Lowry and Fred Van Vliet put on the Warriors was no fluke because they've been playing at a high level high level and I've talked about it on this program that Kyle Lowry is one of the best he's one of the best guards in this league he is I know it sounds silly you're like man Kyle Lowry is trash no he's not averaging 24 game 24 8 and 5 like he's ever he's have great numbers very good numbers and They've won 14 straight. Ain't a whole lot of teams that can say that in the NBA right now that they've won 14 straight games. So the Raptors are a team that you might be hearing more about because they've been getting it done. Uh, the Celtics, the Celtics, 37 and 15. They've won four or five straight. They've been solid. I mean, they've been like the Nuggets. They've been solid all year long. They started out number one. Now they've down to number three, the third seed. And that's going to be a struggle for who gets the sixth seed playing the Celtics because Gordon Hayward is playing out of his mind right now. Gordon Hayward is playing well. Kimba, of course, has been getting buckets and making people fall. I mean, they've been playing well. So watch out for the Celtics. I've always said, like I said earlier in my episodes, it's going to come down to inside play for them. They got the guards. They got the wings. But are they going to be able to rebound? Are they going to be able to defend taller players in the post? And then you got the Heat. You got Jimmy Butler and the Heat. And the Heat is ready to make a move. The Heat is ready to make a move in the East. I do not want to play the Miami Heat. I don't want to play the Miami Heat because Jimmy Butler got those guys ready to go. 
I mean, they got weapons. They got Bam Bam Bigelow in there. You got Tyree Hero making shots on the perimeter. So, I mean, they got, they got Kendrick Nunn who's having a phenomenal rookie year. You've, they've got some players. They got some pieces. I would, be, I would be scared to play Miami in the second part of the season because they're coming for it all. They, they're playing better than the Sixers. The Sixers aren't even top four in the East. What are the Sixers doing? That's why I said Ben Simmons should have been an all-star. Because not, not Ben Simmons and Embiid. You can't have Ben Simmons coming off the bench. They're not even top four team in the East. I'd rather have Jalen Brown there than Ben Simmons. So a lot of people I would have liked there instead of Ben Simmons. I'm not even going to go into who. But it's, it's like, what, the, what are the Sixers doing? At, at this rate, the, the rate that they're going, somebody might, the coach might get fired. GM might get fired because this was supposed to be the year for them. They were supposed to have a year like the Bucks, where they just run through everybody, and they not running through everybody. So they better figure it out, and they better figure it out fast before somebody gets fired. I don't know who. The trade deadline is passed. So you can't get traded, but somebody might get fired. They keep doing this. So that's my NBA breakdown for this week. Looking forward to watching the All-Star game this Sunday. I'll be checking it out when I get out of work. And we're going to see what these guys do with this new format and how the game is going to be played. It's, it's going to be worth the watch. It's going to be worth the watch. And I'm going to check it out Sunday. So that's it. You already know what it is. It's your coach that knows hoops the most. Coach Cam, man. And that was my NBA breakdown for the week. Getting excited for the, the NBA All-Star game on Sunday. You guys can go and check that out. I will be doing the same. And now we got to move on, man. You know how I like to do. I like to go from the NBA and then after the NBA, I got to talk some college hoops, man. And we're going to start off with Juco here in the state of Michigan. And they finally got schoolcraft. Somebody finally got schoolcraft. They was on the road. They was ranked number three in the country. Then they went over and played Macomb County. And Toodles and Hoss and them guys finally got them. Finally got them. They were the first team in Michigan to uh, to, to knock them off. Uh, that's their first league loss this year. Uh, but they're still ranked in the top 10 in the country because they came right back and smacked Delta by like 30. So Schoolcraft is still rolling. Even though they lost the game, they're still ranked number ninth in the country. And I'm telling you, coaches, you need to go see Schoolcraft. You need to go see them. Northern Michigan just offered Bryce Bryce Hunt and Trey Harvey, and they probably came and said, "Whoever want to come else, we'll we'll uh, we'll offer them too if they got grades." I'm telling you, man, the Schoolcraft team is really good, and they have college level players. So I expect to see most of these guys playing in the GLIAC, playing low major. Playing, I, I expect to see these guys playing on your rosters this year. And they, if they're not playing for Michigan teams, I'm going to be very, very, very disappointed because this team is too good. They got too many sophomores that can play at the next level for you to just let them go to Fairmont State or the Lincoln Memorial or something. And then now they come back to play you and beat you by 30. And all you had to do was call and offer them. Just call Coach Corey. Get their practice schedule. Go to a game and offer them, man. Come on, it's not that hard. It's not that hard to do. So, yeah, so that's that's Juco. Uh, Mott is still twi- twi- uh, tweaking in there. They're, they're still being mentioned in the top 25. They received some votes. So we got some teams here in Michigan, man. We got some uh, Macomb is now receiving some votes as well. So you got some some Juco teams here that's getting it done. So the, the conference I like to talk about the most is the Gliac. And I already told y'all the Gliac was going to roll at the beginning of the year. I don't know why y'all didn't just listen to me. I told you who the top four teams were going to be, and it's still like that way. They got two ranked teams in the top 25. Right now, Grand Valley is the top of the Gliac. 
They're ranked number 18th in the country. They have a 19 and 4 record. And they're led by Jake Van Tubergen and, and Jeremiah Ferguson. I mean, those two guys, they're juniors and seniors, and they're getting it done, man. They're getting it done, and it ain't much you can do about it. The guys around them are making shots. They're moving the ball. They're just a tough team to beat. And Ferris is Ferris, man. Ferris is Ferris. Um, five out of the last six years, they've won at least 20 games. Ferris State. There's a, there's a school in the last 15 years. I'm not going to say who. There's a school in the last 15 years. They've only had one 20-win season. I'm sorry, two. Two 20-win seasons in the last 15 years. Not going to say the school. Ferris State has done it the last five years. They've done it the last five years. Right now, they're 22-5. and five. The year before that, they were 38-1, and 28-5, 24-10, 23-9. and Come on, man. Ferris is getting it done. And they're getting it done with all Michigan players, too. The majority of them are Michigan players. So, uh, fair State, shout out to Andy Brockema. What they've been put, they put together damn near a dynasty, a GLIAC dynasty. And they they got it. They got it, man. They've got the pedigree. They know what it takes. They're getting the recruiting done. And just look at the class they're bringing in. They're bringing in Reese Hazleton, Jimmy Schuler, Bryce George, and Curtis Jackson. I mean, the, the latter two, Bryce Jer George and Curtis Jackson, Curtis Jackson plays at Harper Woods. TJ Kelly talked about him on my podcast at the beginning of the season. <laughs> Telling you guys need to pay attention. I'm serious. You really do. We talking hoops. But some of y'all need to start taking notes. But anyway, uh, Bryce George plays football. Really good football player. Tight end. And Curtis Jackson is, is a high-level athlete as well. So they're going to play both. They're going to play both basketball and football. And even the football coaches like me and, me and Andy Bronco are going to have to, to flip for him because depending on how he do, he might be an all-football guy and all-baseball. I mean, he's just an athlete, man. He's an athlete. So they recruit. They recruit the state of Michigan. And if you play in the GLIAC and you're not recruiting the state of Michigan, what the hell are you doing? What the hell are you doing? You see the top team in the league, the best team in the league that's had five 20-win seasons in a row is recruiting Michigan players. Why aren't you? Just saying. You might want to follow that. I'm just saying. You might want to do what the best team is doing. Uh, so right now, Ferris State is still ranked in the country. They're 22-5. They're ranked number 23 in the country. Number three in the league is Michigan Tech. I mean, you, you got, I'm telling you, they got players, man. They got guys that can shoot and they got guys that can score. So when you got a guy like Kyle Moreau that's giving you 24 game, I mean, that he's one of the best players in the league. One of the best players in the league, but the guys around him are good as well. And then at number four, you got Davenport, and their record is 17 and 8. And they're a tough team to beat at home in Grand Rapids. Tough, tough place to win. Because it's a nice, got a nice court. They're right on top of you when it's a nice arena. Now, you've got five teams in the GLIAC that are one game apart. The, the, the school I used to coach at, Northwood, Northern Michigan, Ashland, and Lake State, they're all one game apart. They're either eight and eight or seven. I mean, they're either eight and seven or seven and eight. And that means this. You got nine teams right here, just in this mix, volleying for eight spots. So any one of these five teams can mess around and not make the GLIAC playoffs. And any one of these five teams can make the playoffs. Any one of them. Ashland is on the road. They've won six straight. So I wouldn't want to be playing Ashland right now. All right? Northwood has won five straight. I wouldn't want to be playing Northwood right now either. You try to play Lake State at home, way up there, and it's cold. Oh, man, that's a tough place to play. 
So the GLIAC is a dogfight every Thursday and Saturday, especially going into the conference play because only the top eight teams make the conference playoffs. Everybody doesn't make the conference playoffs. And you got nine teams. So one of these teams is going to be on the outside looking in. And we're going to pay attention to see who those teams are. And it could be any one of the five could be on the outside looking in when it comes to the playoffs. And it's going to be interesting, man. It's going to be interesting to see how they do. So that's the GLIAC. The GLIAC is, is top heavy. It's top heavy, but I mean, it's it's a dogfight. Every, excuse me. Every Thursday and Saturday is going to be a slugfest. It's similar to the Big Ten. Let's talk about Division One basketball. We got to talk Division One because we're getting closer to March, which means we got to start talking about brackets and rankings and how many teams this league is going to get in, what teams are on the uprise, what teams are on the down scale uh, going into March because we're in February right now. So I'm going to help you guys out with your brackets. I can't wait to do a, a bracket pod where, where I, I tell you who's going to be the winner, who are my picks and stuff like that. That's going to be really cool. So in the top 10, and now before the season started, you had two or three teams from the Big Ten in the top 10. That is no longer the case. You only have one team from the Big Ten in the top 10. And you want to know why? Because they're slugging it out, man. They are slugging it out. I told you there wasn't going to be a single team in the Big Ten that was going to run through the conference. Not a one. Not a one. And even Maryland, even though they're the top team in the conference right now, they've got a few conference losses as well. So there isn't a team, I told you before the season started, in the Big Ten that was going to run through it. I told you Michigan State was not going to run through the Big Ten, even though they started out with a 7-1 start. You see where they are now. They're not in the top. So not a 7-1 start. I think it's a 6-1 start. But anyway, let's talk about the top 10 in the country. Right now, you got Baylor at number one. You got a Gonzaga at two. Kansas at three. A San Diego State at four, who's still undefeated, but they ain't playing nobody. Louisville at five. Dayton at six. Duke at seven. Florida State at eight. And, oh, I might have missed a team here and there. Uh, screw it. And Maryland at, at 10. Maryland's at number 10. Oh, well, I miss the team, but oh, well, those are your top teams in the country. But I like to talk about the conferences that are close to me, particularly the Big Ten. So let's take a look at the Big Ten. you got Maryland at the top of the Big Ten sitting pretty. They are sitting pretty. And I'm and I'm excited uh, for Coach Dre Haynes, who, who got left out of the mix at Michigan, who was who was a, a quick hire at Michigan. Beeline beats. Uh, just just goes to the NBA, doesn't tell anybody, doesn't tell his staff. And you got a coach like Dre Haynes who's willing and capable to be coaching in the Big Ten, and he's kind of left out to dry. And he ends up at Maryland, and at the time, you're like, Maryland, okay, that's cool, until you look up and you see Maryland's at the top of the team, top of the Big Ten, and one of the best ten teams in the conference. It's like, oh, man, that was a really good job. Dre Haynes is one of the best assistant coaches in the country. That guy can coach, he can recruit, and he can develop. He can. I'm telling you. I mean, it's no mistake that Maryland is top 10 in the country. That's no mistake. And I'm not saying it's all Dre Haynes because they have some very talented players on that team. But I'm saying he, he is a part of He is a part of it. He plays a part. He's one of the coaches. You paid a lot of money, too. Man, I wish it was, man, Dre hit me up. But anyway, so, yeah, Maryland's at the top. Surprise team in the top five in the Big Ten is Penn State. Penn State got a duo. Uh, probably one of the best duos in the Big Ten. And them two guys is getting it done. They got a guard that's getting it done. And they got uh, a forward that plays the four. He's getting it done as well. 
so Penn State is a tough. They tough to beat, especially at home. So watch out for Penn State. They're nineteen and five this year. They're probably going to make the tournament. I mean, they ranked in the top twenty-five as well. Uh, then you got Illinois at sixteen and nine, who just lost tonight to Michigan State at the buzzer. Not only did they lose the game, they probably lost one of their best players for the rest of the season, Ao Dasami uh, from Chicago, kid that played at uh, Morgan Park and McIrvin Fire. Uh, will probably most likely be out for the rest of the season with a torn ACL. They say it came down to the last play of the game is where it happened. I'm not quite sure because I'm recording this podcast as the game was going on. So I'm going to wish uh, some get get well soon over to AL. Hopefully you can get better. Then you got Iowa sitting at 17 and 7. Then you got Michigan at 16 and 8 overall. You got Rutgers at 17 and 7, Wisconsin at 14 to 10, and Purdue at 14 and 10. And not even not even going to mention the other teams below that because the Big Ten isn't getting more than six teams into the tournament. They're not going to get eight. When the season started, I thought they might be able to get seven or eight teams in the tournament. Now it's looking like they're only going to get six teams. So out of those six teams, Right now, the top six is Maryland, Penn State, Illinois, Iowa, Michigan State, and Rutgers. And with Michigan State with the big road win against Illinois, that bumps them up a slot or two. Um, but Wisconsin and Purdue got some work to do to get in the tournament. And everybody else is on the outside looking in. Ohio State, very disappointed of how Ohio State started the season and where they're at right now. I know if DJ Carton... Uh, going away, saying that he wanted to step away because of mental health issues. Wish him the best, but that hurt their guard play. They really hurt their guard play because he's a high-level guard, and for him to just step away from the team means there's some stuff going on because they're, they're sitting on the outside looking in. They probably won't even play in the NIT, and they were ranked number one in the country at one point, uh, either number one or, or top five uh, in the country, and now they're on the outside looking in, and so is Michigan. Michigan, they can't win a road game. They can't beat anybody on the road. Until you be, until you learn how to beat somebody on the road, th- you're going to struggle in the Big Ten. Now, they took care of the Michigan State over the weekend. They just flat out outplayed them, flat out. From beginning to end, from the tip to the buzzer, they flat out outplayed Michigan, and that's how they were able to beat them. But Michigan State, when they went on the road to uh, Illinois, they were a team on a mission. They were a team looking for a bounce-back win. They were a team looking to make a statement to say, hey, Big Ten, we still here, and we can still run through this thing. And, and that's a team that when they get some confidence, I mean, Izzo teams, to his credit, they always play their best basketball towards the end of the season, and that's when you want to be playing it. You don't want to play your best basketball in the beginning, even though that was kind of the case this year. They were kind of playing their best basketball early, and once the conference started, they kind of went, <clears throat> uh, they, they, they lost a couple. They lost a couple games after going on the road. And it's just the Big Ten is just tough. The Big Ten is tough from top to bottom outside of Northwestern and Nebraska. Anybody can beat you. So the Big Ten is only getting six teams in. Bank it, book it, mark it, circle it, whatever you got to do. The Big Ten is only getting six teams in the tournament. So that's how the big team is. Michigan got some work to do. They're going to have to go on a run. They got Isaiah Livers back, so I'd like to see what happens. Uh, Xavier Simpson gets suspended. It comes back and then starts. It's just it's a mess. And it's a mess. Hopefully, Juwan Howard can get it together. Uh, he's got a great recruiting class that doesn't recruit any Michigan players. So uh, wish them the best. But I would like to see more Michigan players be recruited by Juwan Howard. But that's neither here nor there. 
Now, let's talk about the Horizon League. The Horizon League is not a very good league. They're low major now. You would think that they were a mid-major conference. They are a low major conference. They only have three teams above 500. I've talked about it before, and it hasn't changed. It's Wright State, Northern Kentucky, maybe Youngstown State, and everybody else. One of those three teams will win the conference tournament and go to the dance. Now, here's the bracket buster. If Rice State or Northern Kentucky doesn't win the conference tournament, they are not getting two teams in. So they're not going to get the conference tournament, and then they're going to get another team because Wright State or Northern Kentucky didn't win the conference tournament. If you do not win your conference tournament in the Horizon League, you will not go to the dance. They are not getting two teams in. They're not. Because the, the league is so bad. You're going to get at least eight wins just because you got to play Detroit twice. you just I'm just saying, there are some bad teams in this league that you got to play them twice. And it's just like, that's just four to six wins. It's guaranteed to you. So uh, the API won't be very high. The Horizon League will not get two teams in the league. Now, Rashad Williams is a We Shoot the Rock camper, former camper of mine. Like the fact that he got eligible halfway through his last three games, he was 18, 34, and 37. He's averaging 20 points per game for Oakland. Only thing is Oakland is in the bottom of the Horizon League. They're sitting at 3-9 and nine in the league. They're 8-17 and 17 overall. So it, it, looks, it kind of looks like he's a good player on a bad team. But, I mean, he went off. He went off. He went put 37 on Detroit in Calais Hall. And that's what you're supposed to do when you come home, man. When you're playing in college and you come home and you're playing in front of your aunties, your uncle, your AU coach, your high school coach, your mama there, your daddy there, your ex-girlfriend there, your current girlfriend there, your side chick is there. They're all in different parts of the arena so they don't see each other. No, I'm just kidding. You don't do stuff like that. But anyway, you got everybody there, so you got to put on, man. You got to put on. And that's what he did. He scored 37 points. I know when I played uh, in college and I came back and played at Wayne State, Wayne State was my best games. I used to like Kendall and them up. Real talk. I got a couple dunks against Wayne State. I ain't dunk against nobody else. Because we at the crib. I knew Coach Mark was going to come to the game. He was going to be front row. And he going to be talking trash like, yeah. Come on, Reggie Miller. Come on. What you going to do? And I'd be like, let's go. Even though we didn't win. We went 0-3, 0-4, something like that. We didn't win. But, hey, I got off. Because that's what it's all about, man. You got to put on a Rashad Williams has been putting on. Uh, for Oakland, even though they're a very, very bad team right now, bottom of the Horizon League. Let's take a look at the MAC, though. Let's take a look at the MAC conference. Very Ohio heavy. So the Ohio, the Ohio teams in the MAC. So primarily the the Mid American Conference are teams mixed up. You got the Ohio teams and Michigan teams primarily. Then you got Buffalo in there as well. Uh, but it's mostly Michigan and Ohio teams, Mid America. Okay. At the top of the MAC is Green Bowling Green. Bowling Green, they're sitting at nine and one account in their last. The last ten games are nine and one. Their best player right now is Justin Juice Turner. I wonder who Justin Turner used to play for. The guy that hosts this podcast, and I'm still undefeated in one on one. But anyway, my guy Juice has been playing well, man. Nineteen a game. His last six games. For Bowling Green, 25, 20, 20, 23, 31, and 21. That's some serious buckets right there. It's averaging 19 points per game. They've won nine out of their last 10. Bowling Green is rolling, man. If you got to play the Falcons, 
you you in for a dog fight. You in for the dog fight. The MAC conference is Ohio heavy. So Bowling Green is really good. You got Akron sitting at 18 and 6 and Kent State sitting at 16 and 8. I mean, it's the, Ohio, the Ohio teams are at the top of the conference. They're at the top of the conference, but this is another team. This is another conference that might possibly get two teams in the tournament, but I don't see them getting more than one team in the tournament. I don't. So whoever wins the Mac is going to win the tournament. Hopefully it's Bowling Green so I can see Justin Turner play in the tournament. That would be pretty cool to see one of my former, play, former players play in the tournament. But, you know, hey, I'm just a podcast host, man. I don't know nothing. Uh, so, yeah, that's the Mac. The Mac is Ohio team heavy. And that's that's my mid-major, low-major Division One breakdown, college breakdown for the week. I just wanted to cover to see to let you know how a few teams are doing locally, uh, Division Two, Division One, and that's how it is, man. We getting ready for March. Conference play is key. So as you're watching these games, pay attention to some of these conference games. If you have an opportunity to watch two teams that are close in the standings, it's gonna be a dogfight, man. It really is. I mean, Michigan State and Illinois just went at it tonight. And Michigan State had to win at the buzzer. I mean, that's a huge win for Michigan State. You get a you get a statement win on the road at Illinois, who's ranked number 22 in the country. That's a statement win for Michigan State. And if you see teams winning on the road in the conference, those are big wins. So you want to st start paying attention to that. Start paying attention to uh, what schools are playing, what schools, rivalries, and all of that. Because we're getting ready for March, but I can't wait for March. I got some really special things happening in March. So it's your coach that knows hoops the most, and that's my college segment, man. I'm a hot latch. And we back, baby. We back. We back. We bike. It's your coach that knows hoops the most. I like that tagline, man. Hopefully, I ain't got a copyright it or something. Hope it's another coach that's talking about he knows hoops the most. Because I do. That's what I do, man. So that's my college segment. You know, of course, I had to go Division One, Division Two, Juco. You know how I get it, man. Y'all listen to this podcast. This ain't the first time. Won't be the last, hopefully, because I rock with y'all. All right, so now we're going to talk high school. I got an interview coming up for you guys uh, after I break down what's going on in high school for a little bit. Yeah, high-level player. He's a sophomore. Uh, Kareem Rozier, uh, sophomore point guard at Orchard Lake St. Mary's. They only have one loss in the year, one of the top teams in the state of Michigan. We had the opportunity to talk to him. But before we talk to Kareem, I got to cover what's going on in Detroit. I got to talk about the PSL. And the PSL playoffs jumped off uh, last week. You had the quarterfinals. There's only four good teams in the league. So, I mean, if you was in the top eight, that really didn't mean much. Uh, but it really came down to the semifinals. The semifinals were Tuesday night, which is today, February 11th. You had CMA that was supposed to play Cass. And you had Frederick Douglass that was playing King. And we're going to talk about Frederick Douglass playing King first. You know, we've talked about Pierre Brooks and Frederick Douglass. So my question before the season, he even started on his podcast. I asked TJ Kelly, TJ Kelly, can Frederick Douglass win the PSL? That was my question for you. And guess who's playing for the PSL championship? Frederick Douglass, because they were able to play King. They beat him by 30, 76 to 46. King was playing without their top point guard, Chauncey Willis Jr., and they just took it to him. I wasn't at the game, so don't, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna call it like I was there. 
But after King beat Frederick Douglass in the regular season, King was, they was woofing. They was woofing. The part, part of the whole AAU versus high school deal was really surrounded by, in my opinion, the fact that people thought that Omar Ziegler was better than Pierre Brooks because he had the better showing on that day. So when you have a high-level player like Omar Ziegler kind of outplay or play just as well as Pierre Brooks, who's a four- or five-star, when you start talking about Omar, you're like, oh, he's better. Why isn't he ranked just as high? We just beat him. He had a good game. And why you ain't coming out recruiting and scouting Omar when you already scouting and recruiting Pierre? Well, Pierre plays for Nike. Omar doesn't. So that's a different level of exposure, number one. For two, is one game. You can't base anything off of one game. You cannot. And it looks like King based a lot of pride, a lot of um, bravado after beating Frederick Douglass, who traditionally isn't one of the top teams in the PSL. Traditionally, you can say King has been one of the top teams in the PSL. I mean, they've won a PSL title in the last 10 years. And I think it might have. I think it was in 12 or I think it was 12. 2012, they won the city championship and their, co their coach was Pierre Brooks. Duh. Um, so when they played. Frederick Douglass was ready. They was ready. They took care of business. They scored points. And if you can score, if you can score more than 60 against King and a George Ward team, you might be sitting pretty. And they scored 76. So they was ready for the matchup. And they, they brought it to him, man. I could only imagine the smack talk that was going that was going on on those sidelines, man. I, that was a that was a PSL matchup to see. And they put the smack down to him. And they won by 30. And they said, We going to Cali, baby. We going to the we we going. We going to Cali. This will be their first appearance. In the PSL championship game. And I ain't gonna say that I called it. I just I know there wasn't a whole lot, depending on how the, the brackets uh broke down per se. Uh I knew that they would have a good chance or they would have a shot to win the city championship, and they're gonna be playing for it all. They're gonna be playing against Detroit CMA because we had some controversy in the PSL. So one of the best teams in the PSL, one of the best teams in the state, Detroit Cast Tech was supposed to play. Detroit CMA until somebody found out, got a hold of the MHSAA, got a hold of officials with the PSL and let them know that they played an eligible player. And against Detroit Western in their quarterfinal matchup, which was a blowout, one of the last guys on the bench, they, they get in the game, they score. It doesn't matter what happens. Apparently, this, this student athlete supposedly, allegedly, I'm going to say allegedly because I get texts and I get intel and I got sources, but I'm going to say allegedly because it's not, it's not public knowledge. Uh, but from what I've been told was that one of the players at the end of the bench that doesn't play very often uh, was ineligible. He was ineligible. He played in the game and somebody was waiting for the game that he played in. And the, the moment you step on the court, you're cons if you're not eligible, you're liable. So what's going to happen to Cast Tech? Are they going to forfeit the rest of the season? Are they going to have to just forfeit the games they played uh, where this young man was on the roster or, or, or even we're going to we want to know what happens because they were they were sitting at uh, they were trying to win a third PSL title in four years, which hasn't been done in 10 years since um, Refford did it. I think it was 10 years. It might have been a little bit further longer than that. Um, 
But it, it's, it's sad. It's sad that one of your best teams in the PSL, one of the best teams in the state, they can't play in a championship game because one of the players is ineligible. And it's a lot of people at fault here. Uh, and, and it's one of those those situations where in the state of Michigan, the bare minimum is a 1.8. All you have to do is pass four classes to be considered eligible in the state of Michigan. But a district can set their own rules higher to that. So if a district can say, if you don't have a 2.5, you're considered ineligible to play in our district, then that's the rule you have to go by. And in the district in the Detroit PSL, the PSL, you have to have a 2.0. You have to have a 2.0. If you do not have a 2.0 at the card market mark, you are considered ineligible. And you can't become eligible until uh, the following year. Not at the halfway mark. Actually, I think that's not true. I, I got I to look at that. But you are considered ineligible. If you can't start the season, you're, you're considered ineligible. And I don't think you can become eligible after a quarter. Once you're considered ineligible, you cannot become eligible, but you can be eligible and then become ineligible halfway through. I mean, it's, it's tricky. I mean, the way the district does it, I mean, it's hurting the kids, um, even though you don't want to lower the requirements. If your kid can't get a 2.0, they shouldn't be on your team. Why is a team? Why is a kid on your team that doesn't have a 2.0? That was my requirement. If you don't have a 2.0, hit the dough. That's what we used to say. If you don't have a 2.0, hit the dough. Had, I had a team that probably would have been my best team if my tallest player would have played. He was 6'9", but he was ineligible. He couldn't play. But I didn't try to sneak or try to change grades or try to sneak him in the game. No, if they say you're ineligible, you can't play, Hoss. You got to know the rules of your district. You got to know the rules of your school because if you don't, it's always somebody looking over your back ready for your job. Waiting for you to make a mistake. And my dad always told me they ain't forgot. They still coming. They still want your job. They still want your job. So you you better you better cross your T's and dot your I's and play the right way. Because if you don't, they got a sniper waiting for you to make a mistake. Bow. Cass made a mistake. Plays an ineligible player. Now they cannot play in the city championship game. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens to Cass. Are they going to be able to play in a state tournament? What's going to happen to Steve, Steve Hall, the head coach at Cass, who's also the AD? Like when you start having allegations and playing illegal players, I mean, stuff happens. People get fired, get moved. I don't know what happens. I don't know what happens. It's it's a bad situation because you got guys like Tyson Acuff who's had a phenomenal senior year. He's up for Mr. Basketball, has the chance to win three PSL titles in four years, which hasn't been done in a very long time, and now he can't play in a championship game because some scrub at the end of the bench can't get his grades. Very unfortunate, but you got to follow the rules, man. You got to follow the rules, and if a kid is ineligible, don't even have him on your bench. He shouldn't even be dressing. You ain't got a 2.0. You got to hit the dough. Period. Now, I had two requirements. Of course, you had to have a 2.0, and 50% of my team had to have a three or higher. If our team GPA was not higher than 3.0, I'm canceling some workouts. I'm canceling some team camps, and we're going to be doing a hell of a lot of running. So you better make sure you get your grades because you got no excuse because we did study hall every day. You had no excuse. You did your homework before practice. So you didn't have to go home and be tired and forget to do it. That's just how I rocked. 
And in today's world, you got to stay on top of academics. You got to stay on top of grades because if you don't, you have this situation happen. So uh, feel sorry for Cass Tech to play the ineligible player. Uh, Detroit CMA will play in the, the PSL final on Friday, February 14th at Callahan Hall. I wish it was Saturday because I would be able to make it. I can't make it on Friday because I got to work at my other job, but I got to go get this money, man. Uh, so I won't be at the game, even though um, Frederick Douglass is probably um, the team that probably will win it. So, yeah, so that's that's high school right there. The PSL is the biggest story right now was what's going to happen to Cass Tech going forward after playing an ineligible player and being kicked out of the PSL playoffs. So this past weekend, you had the Red Hawks showcase. You had some of the best players uh, in the state. You had uh, Ben Harbor. You had Ipsy Lincoln. You had Cass Tech. You had Muskegon. Uh, you, you had some really high-level teams, and it was packed into a little gym. I didn't go. I didn't travel across the state in the snow. It was on this past Saturday. Uh, but it, it, the, teams, the teams and the games were pretty good. And uh, Ben Harbor, Ben Harbor beats up uh, Ypsilanti Leakin. So that was a surprising game. Uh, Cass just barely edged Muskegon. Saginaw High had a good showing. They won their game. And it's just, you know, it was a good showcase on the west side of the state. And for BCAM voters that's, you know, uh, looking to place their vote for Mr. Basketball, they got to look at a few candidates. They got to look at Jarvis Walker. They got to look at, at uh, Scooby Johnson. They got to look at... Tyson Acuff. They got to look at Orchard Lake and Lauren Bowman. So, like, you had the guys there, like, all right, the guy I'm going to vote for is probably playing this weekend. Let me go check him out. And it was in a packed house, and those guys put on a show. So, before, uh, so now my high school segment, I want to introduce a recruit to you guys. One of the best floor generals in the state. His name is Kareem Rozier. And I did a story for NY2LA Michigan. I don't know if you guys know or not, but I'm a scout for NY2LA Michigan. I write articles on players who either are having really good seasons, some players that um, are gaining some exposure or need exposure, or just some kids that I want to talk about that are having good years. I write articles on them, and I was able to write a question and answer article on Kareem Rozier, and it turned out so good. I was like, man, I got to put this on the pod. So I want to introduce you guys to Kareem Rozier, class of 2022, point guard of Orchard Lake St. Mary's, and here is his interview with Scout Cam and NY2LA Michigan. If it's your coach that knows who's the most, you know, we got the podcast coming up this week. We got a recruit, uh, one of the best point guards we've seen in this class, class of 2022. His name is Career Kareem Rozier. I want to introduce Kareem to you guys. Hey, Kareem, how you doing, man? What's going on? I'm doing great, Coach. How you doing today, man? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. How's the uh, season going for you so far? Man, the season's going great. You know, we have a a very talented team this year. So coming back, we're very young, and we're uh, going to jump to 11-1 record okay. right now. So everything is going in our favor. Okay. Uh, you guys play tonight. Who you guys playing tonight? Uh, we play Kyle Central tonight with another uh, league, league game, you know, rival game tonight at home. Always good to have those rival games at home. I know you guys have played Catholic Central early in the year. You guys beat them pretty good. I think it was about 30 or 40. Uh, jumped out on them pretty quick. Uh, tell me about this. 
Uh, how has your game improved since uh, since as a freshman? Because you're a sophomore now, you played as a freshman, played varsity. So how has your game improved over the last year? I feel like my game has improved more uh, with my leadership and how my jump shot has improved a lot with my, uh, you know, just leading the team, running the team the right way, being a playmaker defense, def- defensively also. And, uh, you know, having a, having a leadership on the team to where everyone follows me, follows my energy and my footsteps. Got you. I guess that's what play guards are supposed to do. They have to be the leader, the quarterback on the floor. So having those qualities, especially as a point guard, is really good. So tell me about, do you, would you say that that's the best part of your game is just being a leader and being able to make plays for others? Yes, most definitely. All of my, you know, all of my attention whenever I'm on the court is to make everybody else better and make everyone else look good. You know, being a vocal leader, everyone will follow me in whatever, you know, I lead or say. And when I'm out there on the court, I just want to make plays and get those assists and get those guys involved. Now, that's huge, especially playing um, on, a, on a team like yours. You have to be able to uh, make those plays and be able to be, be a leader and be vocal. Uh, a lot of times, at the co- even at the college level, you'll have some guys that they play point guard and are not quite as vocal as you want them to be. So being a vocal player is huge. So that's the best part of your game. Uh, is there anybody at the college or the pro level that you model your game after? I most definitely model my game after uh, Chris Paul. Uh, the way he sees the floor and how he, he leads and gets everyone involved with all the assists he's averaging, you know, it's great. You know, all these other guards, you know, they, they just go for buckets. But mm-hmm. to see a true point guard, they get everyone involved the fan mm-hmm. and, and lead the team. They run the team. So that's a that's a good player to look up to. I mean, Chris Paul. I mean, he does it all. He's been doing it for years, especially as a point guard. He's one of the elite point guards in the game. So uh, tell me one thing. What's what's your uh, what's your main goal going into this season? Well, my main goal going into this season was to keep everyone together. With the talent the team that we have this year, you know, we have so many studs, and I have to be the person to keep everything together. So when I'm coming into this season, it was to get those involved who need it, get them in their spots so they can uh, get their buckets like they do. You know, Lauren Bowman, Julian Roper, and, and Jason Drake, they're all key scorers. Mm-hmm. So for me to be out there, you know, I have to get them in their positions to get them get them the ball so they can get their buckets. Now that's huge as a point guard to be able to get players in the right position to make the right plays. And when you're playing on, on a talented team, you need guys like that. You need guys that's willing able to distribute the ball to other guys so they can make plays as well. Uh, because it's only yep. one basketball, it's not five of them. So you mentioned yep. you mentioned Lauren Bowman. Lauren Bowman is committed to play at at Wisconsin. Uh, you've also played uh, AU basketball with a mighty base. So could you tell me what it's like playing with two these two high level players? Well, first I want to say both are really great players. Right. You know, it's 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 really it's really easy to play with those guys because they know that when I have the ball, they can trust me because I'm going to get in the ball in the right position, my spot. Um, Imani, you know, he, he can do everything at 6'9", so when it, when I'm out there with him, he's going to find him. Lauren, he gets buckets whenever, off the mm-hmm. ball, on the ball. Yep. And then you have, uh, with Imani, you know, with AAU, he has so much. He's so skilled. You know, he's right. so skilled with his IQ. He can do everything. Of course. 
and the way he leads, you know, the way he leads too vocally is just is just great because you have two big vocal leaders on the team. No, that's good. That's good that you're able to to play with both these guys. They're they're both great players, but they're different. You know, they're right. different kind of players, and you can draw you know different things from both. And you know, when when you're working on your game and you're evolving your game as you are, you're just a sophomore. You still got two more years to play in high school. You're able to say that, okay, I got this from Lauren. I got this from playing from Amadi. You know, you can always say that. So tell me yep. this: Do you have this? When, it, when we talk about college basketball, do you have any 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 offers right now, or do you have any schools or interests uh, coming your way so far? Yes, I have one offer from Mississippi Valley State. They reached out a couple weeks ago, and that was my first official uh, division one offer. I have okay, a lot of Lindsey Hunter and company. Yep, and I have a. Uh, I have a lot of interest from a lot of Big Ten schools, some Mac schools. Okay. And, yep, that's about it. You know, they reach out every once in a while. Of course, because a lot of them can't really official offer you until uh, July 1, once you start uh, AAU in the summer. Yep. Um, you'll, yep. you'll, probably, you'll probably start getting a lot more offers when they can officially offer you. But just yep. hearing, from school, hearing from schools is always good as well. A uh, couple more questions for you. Um, what areas of your game do you think you need to improve on uh, when the season ends, because it's hard to work in your game during the season. So, what are some things that you want to improve upon uh, after the season and during the summer? Um, I think after the season or during the summer, I would love to keep improving on my jump shot. You know, being a small right. guard, I have to be able to knock the overshot down, and then mm-hmm. it has to be money because I don't have the size. I'm undersized point guard. Okay. So, I, I really have to have my jumper. You know, to where I'm, my percentage of my jump shot is is really high. Okay. So oh, that's, that's one of the main things that I that I'm really going to continue to keep working on with my game and throughout my game. You can always make your jump shot better. I always tell people if you're a guard and you can't shoot, you're not gonna get recruited. You have yes, to be sir. able to shoot the basketball, especially at that position. So uh my last question for you today, what is one thing or a few things that you want people to know about you if they haven't met you or seen you play before? What's one thing that you would like people to know about you? Well, one thing I would love for these people to know is that is is always hard over height, you know. And my height is my motivation because there's a lot of people who don't take take chances on smaller guards. Mm-hmm. But if you have more heart than that, you know that heart can get you somewhere. That's why I play with so much enthusiasm and, and mm-hmm. that fire, that juice in me. Because that's what I'm going to need to play on that higher level. Man, that's perfect. Well, here at the podcast, we talking who's for Coach Cam. We just want to thank you for jumping on. Uh, talking to us this week. We want to start uh, showcasing some, some recruits, some players that our listeners need to be taken care of and start watching too. Uh, we are talking with Kareem Rozier, Fortune Lake St. Mary's sophomore point guard. I appreciate you coming on to the podcast for us and good luck yep. the rest of the way. Thank you, Coach. No problem, man. Be easy. And that's it, man. That's it, man. Shout out to Kareem Rozier. Uh, thanks for stopping by the podcast, young fella. If you have the opportunity to go watch Orchard Lake, please do so. And in AAU, I think he's playing for base fundamentals. That might change. You never know. Go watch Kareem Rozier, man. He's a high-level floor general. He is one of the best point guards in the state, regardless of class. Yes, I said it. And yes, he's been to my shooting camps before, even when he was little. Yes. I stay around guys who can play. I like guys 
Good kid too, man. Good grades, great family. Just a really good kid. So shout out for Kareem for coming on to my podcast. And that's it, man. We covered the, the debacle with the PSL. Cass gets has to forfeit games and can't play in the city championship, which is crazy to me, man. I'm an alumni, man. I wanted to I wanted to go down to Cali and wear my green and white and say, you dogs, you you know, I ain't gonna we don't mess around. We don't mess around. We CT dogs. You Come on, man. I wanted to do that, but I can't because they ain't playing an eligible player, man. Come on. You can't be doing that. Michigan State wins at the buzzer, so that was big for them, man. Hey, yeah, we covered a lot of basketball this week, as we do every week. Uh, when you get a chance, an opportunity to go watch some games that you wouldn't normally watch. Go watch some workouts you wouldn't normally watch. Say what's up to some of these coaches that's putting in work with some of these kids because they spending a lot of time away from family. And, man, just give them a shout-out, man. Say, Coach, man, I appreciate what you're doing. And good luck with the rest of your season, man. Show these coaches some love because it is very, 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 very unappreciated job, man. It's a thankless job. We spend a lot of hours in the gym with other people's kids, man. So shout-out to all of my coaches, at particularly the high school level, because right around this time it gets thick. And it's about to be Mars. It's about to go down. So we talked high school, talked college, and I'm wrapping it up like a Christmas gift, man. It's your coach that knows hoops the most, and I'm a holla at your player. Peace. He's that dude, too cool, so smooth with the hoop news. Every week we talking hoops, this is season two. So buckle up for this ride, that's what you need to do. Because we talking hoops, yeah.